Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Samir Sharma. Thanks for being on the show, Samir. Thank you, Whitney. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know. I'm honored to have you on the show and, and looking forward to the conversation, uh, just learning a little more about you and, and understanding just my own business and thinking about when my business shifted and, and some things that had to happen there. I know you're going to be able to help the listeners think through some of those same things and myself. But a little about Samir, he's a high performance mind and body coach, certified personal trainer, third degree black belt in Aikido and gold and silver medalist in Tai Chi. I hope I'm saying those correctly. Perfect. International Chinese Martial Arts Championship. So I'm glad this is a Zoom call and we're not in person. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kidding, of course. But uh, Samir, thank you very much for your time. And I know you also have previous experience investing in real estate and very knowledgeable in real estate as well. But ultimately, I know you're helping lots of people with just mindset. And, I mean, coaching them as well. So I'd love to dive into that. But give the listeners you know, a little more about your background, who you are, and, and let's jump in. Yeah. So like you said, I'm a coach and with all my experience in entrepreneurship, business, in the corporate world, in real estate, I also, all those years, I was an athlete, a martial artist, had a very strong interest in psychology, personal development, did, studied meditation for many years, still practice every day. So all those things kind of came to a head and I wanted to find a way to combine all those experiences and skills into something very holistic and different that would help other people who have gone through similar things that I have, especially entrepreneurs who are trying to do their own thing and trying to make their own mark. And that kind of led me to where I am today as a, like I said, a high performance mind-body coach where I combine my experiences in fitness as an athlete in martial arts and taking a lot of the principles that I've learned over almost 25 years now. And what I realized was as my skill as a trainer, an athlete, a martial artist progressed, I realized the principles that make you successful physically aren't really any different than the principles that make you successful as a business person or you know, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish out in the world. So from that, I gleaned these very fundamental principles. And then when I started to sort of wrap them around this methodology of coaching, I realized this stuff works. It's not just for training it works in the world because it changes, it transforms who you are and you carry yourself differently. So my approach towards personal development is kind of through the body just because that's my experience. So my belief is if I can change how you move and carry yourself in the world, that starts to inform your psychology and you can change your mindset through movement and vice versa. Okay. So you know, I, I want to dive in there a little bit. I was trying to take a few notes. You know, you said fundamental principles just to help us be successful as personal or business and love for us to dive into maybe some of those if we have time. And then, you know, talked about just the way you, you carry yourself can change so much, but let's back up a little bit and maybe we jump in on a, a few of the fundamental principles that, you know, the listeners need to know. I know you were also, you know, in real estate a long time, but, but I feel like whether we're a real estate entrepreneur or whether we have some other type of business, so many of the same things apply mentally. And like you, you said the way we carry ourselves or things like that. So help us to 
figure the, some of those things out. I'm sure you've done this enough where you know numerous things that the listeners are probably dealing with right now. Maybe I'm myself just, just trying to grow a business and maybe back way up even to getting started. Sure. Okay. So let me try to see where we can start with this. So there's a great quote by a psychologist, meditation guy. His name is John Kabat-Zinn. He wrote a great book called Wherever You Go, There You Are. And so from that Sounds title, yeah, I'll segue into this by using that as a title that wherever you go, there you are. So the point is that no matter what you're pursuing out there, the common denominator is you. So who you are, your identity, your persona, the self-image you have of yourself, that's going to superimpose itself on every physical task, every deal you may be looking at. You're seeing it through that lens. And I think where a lot of entrepreneurs, they get stuck is they think, if I just follow this recipe, if I just do what my mentor, my guru said to do, send out X number of emails a day, look at 50 deals a day, run the numbers, then to some degree, yes, it's a numbers game, but that prescription assumes that you're going to get a similar result. And from my personal experience and from people I've coached and clients, that's not the case. Because ultimately, why is it that you being an investor and me being a former investor, because you're actively doing it, you have a very different paradigm than me who is not actively doing it. So your persona as an active investor is going to have a completely different lens through which I would see something. And we're doing the same physical task, but why are our results different? So this leads me to the point that whether you're an investor, whether whatever it is you're doing, it is your identity. It is the person who you see yourself to be. That stems everything. Everything comes from there. Most of the time when we are in this sort of the hustle mode of doing and doing and accomplishing, we're just very task oriented. And we figure I'll just follow the recipe and I'll get the same results. And as you know, and I know that just doesn't happen, unfortunately, all the time. So what I encourage people to do is take a step back from the doing and ask yourself, who is the being that is doing the doing? Because the beingness dictates every result you could possibly want. Please go a little further, because it's hard to like figure that out. You said who you see yourself to be. Like It's so important to think about who you see yourself to be, because everything stems from there. Yeah. Basically, if, if you look at the self-image, your self-image is this blueprint you have in your head of who you are, who Whitney Sewell is as an investor, entrepreneur. There is this image you could call it a script of this persona in your head of this is who I am. And because I am this person, I do certain things. Those actions create habits. Those habits create results. If you want a different result, you must backtrack and say, who is the person, who is the identity, the persona that needs to show up, who would then naturally do those habits and actions and get the result. So an example I commonly use is think about running to lose weight versus being a runner. So let's say you want to get in shape and you're a little overweight. You say, all right, I'm going to take up running, right? So running is now an activity. It is a task on your to-do list that you do. If you are not a runner, then becoming, getting in the habit of running and doing that can be very daunting. There could be a lot of resistance and inertia around that activity. But for somebody who's a runner, they don't really care about losing weight. That's not really a goal for a runner because it's who they are. They're thinking, how do I shave 30 seconds off my mile or something like that? Their results are more performance oriented now. So the identity of a runner has a completely different mindset and a different result than someone who is trying to run to get a specific outcome. Same, let's take the idea of an investor. Someone who is an investor 
naturally does certain things. They have a certain outlook, they have a certain paradigm through which they see deals, through which they look at the market versus somebody who's not an investor, but who wants to invest. That's a different slope he's got to climb. So that's kind of what, I'm, what I mean in terms of identity. And then how you create that identity, we can get into that also. But that's really the, the larger lens through which I look at personal development. Yeah. I mean, I can see how that can change things completely. If you say you are a runner or if you say I'm going to start running or, well, I mean, or, or I am an investor, it gives you a different level of confidence, right? If you've already been doing something or just mentally, if you're telling yourself that, how do we get there? How do we, I mean, it seems like such a roadblock, right? Or mental block for most people, including myself, whatever it may be, whether it is investing, whether it's a growing a, a brand or business or, or whether it is running even, how do we do that and get past that mentally? Yeah, it's a great question. And I don't have a prescription, but I can give you principles and then yes. you can apply them to your situation. I think the very first thing people need to do is step away from the hustle. I know the hustle mentality and the whole crush it idea is very popular. And if you subscribe to that, that's great. I got nothing against that. I personally have never found that useful for me. The problem with that is you can go down a rabbit hole so far that you don't even know what you're doing anymore. You're on a treadmill. You're hustling for the sake of hustling and you're not asking why. And more important, you're not, you're not asking who's doing the hustling. And so the first thing I think people can do if they want to start changing their sense of self is take a step back from your habitual patterns of activities, habits, things you normally do because they're getting you the results you already have. So if you want a different result, you need to create a different paradigm, different actions. So that's surprisingly very hard for a lot of people, especially if, you're, if you've been doing something for a while. That hustle that like, I got to grind it out. I got to send out these emails. I got to do these things. It's very hard to disconnect from that. And so the very first step is create that space for yourself mentally and then physically to say, wait a second, is what I'm doing getting me the result? And if not, what else should I be doing? How can I be different in order to do something else? Love that. And I can relate because I, I'm one that says, okay, if, if somebody lays out a plan, this is what it takes. And maybe it, it's a lot more than what you expected. I'm just going to say, okay, how soon do we get started? And I'm going to be willing to put the time in, but maybe I, I'm not going to step back enough sometimes or quick enough to ask. You know, I loved how you said, are you asking why or, or just hustling just to be hustling? You know, or is it working? Or are you just hustling just to be working hard, not getting anywhere? Yeah. Unfortunately, in our society, that sense of the hustle, the grind is praised. We somehow emulate, we put that on a pedestal. We somehow think that is something to aspire to because that's a great quality. And again, I'm not placing a value judgment. I'm just saying, if you've been doing that and it hasn't changed anything for you, it's time to pause and reflect. So I think it was uh, Mark Twain who said, if you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. So, you know, if anything else, if you look around, I mean, let's just take the environment we're in now, right? The overarching sense right now is a sense of fear and contraction. People are hoarding. People are scared. People are looking for security. You can't get toilet paper, right? So if everyone is doing that, do you want the result that everyone has? Can you take a different approach and say, if everyone's contracting and being afraid, can I expand and be more open? And it's a choice. I think that's the first step is look around. Your environment, your world is a reflection of what's going on between your ears. If you don't like what you see, start here. Don't try to get a result out there. Okay. So it's great advice, no doubt about it. Starting with us, starting what's between our ears and stepping back and really figuring out 
is this working? So what's kind of a next step? What should we be thinking about to really go down that self-improvement path to figure this out? My approach is based on four principles. And the four principles are based, again, on my experience through movement, fitness, martial arts, because I realize that these principles aren't just physical and they aren't just why I can throw somebody three times my size with no effort. There's a reason why it works. And so the four principles for me are number one, awareness, number two, centeredness, number three, non-attachment, and number four is alignment. What was the last one? Alignment. Alignment. And I came to really appreciate and embody these principles from my physical practice. But then when I started using them in my work, in my personal life, I realized, wow, these are timeless. These Mm -hmm. aren't just for martial arts or movement or anything. I think if you want to start changing yourself, your identity, start looking at your world through these four paradigms. We can go into that if you want. But awareness really starts with being self-aware. And we've touched on that a little bit about having the ability to step back and reflect upon who you are. Not upon what's out there, but who am I? Because what's out there is just reflecting who you are. It's a mirror. So becoming aware of yourself, self-awareness is really the bedrock. That's where you start. From that place, you can start to then be much more mindful and objective about your world. And this is where my experience in meditation comes in, is one of the first things you learn in meditation is that you're not trying to control your thinking. Your brain is going to think. So if you've ever tried to meditate, you know how hard it is to try to make your mind go blank. You get caught up in the thoughts. Your brain is designed to do that. As long as you're breathing, you're alive, your mind is always going to create thoughts. So the practice is not the cessation of thought. The practice is how do I create the space between myself and the thoughts so I'm the observer? So I think Descartes got it wrong. It's not I think, therefore I am. It's I am and I happen to think. So that practice of can I be aware of my state in this moment? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am I doing? And then from that objective place, you can start to choose a better response. The second principle of centeredness, if you've ever been into a yoga class or if you've maybe tried martial arts or done something physical like that. Sometimes the instructor will say, be centered, find your centered. That's kind of a very kind of catchword nowadays, but really centeredness is being centered in the self. So sometimes I tell people, be self-centered. It's not selfish. It's actually a good thing. Being centered in oneself means you're coming from a place of internal stability, internal power, and not relying or being dependent upon something outside of you. So when you're in that place of center, there's also from that place creates a sense of calm and internal space. Because as you know, you know if, you're, if you're an investor and you're looking at a deal and you're not centered, you're not sort of within yourself, it becomes very hard to be objective and rational about the deal because emotions start to play. You start to be like, oh, is this a good deal? I don't know. I don't know. Can I run the numbers? Can I fudge the numbers? Can I make this work? Can I turn a five cap into a three cap? Like, you know, you start to, to talk yourself into certain things. But when you step back, when you are centered, your sense of awareness expands. You don't get tunnel vision, but you start to see things much more broadly and objectively. From the centered place, now you can start to develop a sense of non-attachment. Non-attachment, or you could also call it non-resistance, I think probably of the four, this is probably the most sort of relevant for where we are today in this world. Because right now, this sense of fear, this sense of contraction, we're attached to our fear. We're attached to the wanting, the grabbing. However, the minute you become attached to something, you also become dependent on it. And if that thing goes away, your sense of security, your sense of balance, 
stability is also gone. So the more we lean, the more we depend, the more we give up our own sense of centeredness and stability. And so if we can not be attached, if we cannot resist what's going on right now, you know, people say, oh my God, it's so bad out here right now. I said, well, that's a choice. But the more you resist what is, the more you are not in the place to change it. You give your power away. I like you said it's a choice. It's a choice. Yeah. And then finally, the sense of alignment. And this goes back to what we were talking about in identity is that the persona, the sense of self you are today is not in alignment with the result you're after. Getting there is going to be really hard. That's why, you know, if you try to do a crash diet, that's why they call them crash diets. You crash and burn. Because the person who's trying to lose 20 pounds is a different sense of self than the person who already is 20 pounds lighter. And so that alignment of me with my goal really has to happen before I start doing the hustle to get there. How much of all this uh, is a choice? I would say all of it. That was what I expected yeah. you to say. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times we don't feel it's a choice because the more we don't choose to be centered, the more we don't do these four things, the more we give up our, our sense of energy and our sense of self. And you know, it's like you lean against something. If you're leaning against something, if all of your weight is there, then you feel like, well, if that thing is gone, I'm going to fall. And the truth is, yes, you will. But if I can choose not to lean, if I can choose to stand within my own sense of balance and center, then no matter what's around me, I'm in a place to respond without any sense of dependence. Love that. Tell me about your morning routine. First thing I do, drink a big glass of water, and then I sit down and meditate for 20 minutes. After that, I will do some kind of a movement. Usually for me, that's my Tai Chi practice. Then I will make a cup of coffee, sit down. I will either I'll sit and read or I will write in my journal and reflect upon where I am, what I'd like to accomplish today, what's important, and go from there. So that usually takes about an hour or so. Nice. What about, I'm guilty of this, and I hear lots of people saying, you know, like, don't pick your phone up right away. When in the day do you start to take in those distractions like that? For me, it's after that first hour block. That, that's a hard habit to break, but I don't pick up my phone. I don't get online until that's done because yeah. that's going to set the tone of my whole day. Any pre-planning things that you do to help just to the day be more successful? I think in the morning, you know, after I do my, my routine, I kind of figure out what are the most important things I need to get done. And I'm not a big fan of to-do lists. I kind of let the list create itself. But I, again, I stick to principle and I say, let's say these are the three aspects of my, of my day. There's the physical aspect, there's the mental aspect, there's the whatever aspect. And then I try not to pick more than three things to accomplish in a day in one of those four quadrants or three quadrants. And then if I can get those done, it was a good day. And then I don't worry about having to check everything off the list. What's a way maybe that you are educating yourself or continuing just your self-improvement? Yeah. I mean, that's an ongoing thing. I'm fortunate to have really great mentors and teachers. So I'm always trying to put myself in the position of a student, always trying to learn. I have teachers that have mentors that I see on a regular basis constantly reading my own practice of meditation, looking at people who are more successful than me and saying, what are they doing? Is there something I can emulate or, or make my own? Awesome. Well, just a, a few more questions, Samir, before we run out of time. What's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Probably I stopped following. I stopped looking so much out at social media and saying, what's the latest tool? What's the latest app? What's the hot new trend that I need to jump on in order to 
accelerate my business. I think it's very easy to get into that shiny object syndrome and say, well, I got to have this app and I've got to have this kind of funnel page or whatever that is. Those are fine. Those are tools. And as long as you can keep that straight, there's nothing wrong with them. But something that I've done is really consciously not chosen to find the latest gadget. What's the latest productivity thing? I'm just like, this is me. This is what I do. And I'm putting it out there. And so trying to create a more of an attractive kind of business versus a grabbing where I'm reaching for more stuff. I'm saying, like it? Great. You don't like it? That's great too. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Wow. Great question. Being brutally honest with who I am, what I'm good at, what I like to do and what I don't like to do and saying, this is my lane and I'm sticking in my lane. Everyone else you know, maybe doing their thing and having great success doing this, but I know this is my lane. And again, as entrepreneurs, that can be very hard to do because we're always looking at what's everyone else doing? What should I be doing? And so just through a lot of trial and error and a lot of failure, I realized I can't be that person. No matter how great his course is or how great his blueprint is for success, I have to do what is right for me. And I think the more you can embrace your own uniqueness and maybe even celebrate the very things that you thought you had to shun in order to fit in. So I think the more you're going to find that special thing that makes you unique, that's going to attract people. How old were you when you started martial arts? 23. What kind of uh, martial arts should somebody start with? <laughs> what kind? Well, I've been asked this question many times and my, my answer is always try them out. See what resonates with you. I wasn't looking to do martial arts, ironically. I would always loved it because as a kid, you'd watch the Kung Fu movies and be like, wow, that's so cool. I'd love to do that. But for me, it's almost like it found me and I was just like, boom, it just gelled. I was like, I'm doing this. But if someone is interested in learning martial arts, I would say take a karate class, take a judo class, take whatever and find what really connects with you and then go for it. When should kids start? I would say grade school, you know, when I think after fourth or fifth grade. Because so I think if they start too young, a lot of the skill and the deeper stuff is lost on them. It's great if you want something after school for fun and activity, but I think you need to get to a certain age, maybe around 10 years old, I would say. I wish I had started that young, but yeah, I would probably say around that age. And how do you like to give back? I like to share my experiences with other people, whether it's giving free classes whether it's doing personal training with people, sharing my knowledge and experience, kind of like what we're doing in some way, I really enjoy that. For me teaching, I also teach martial arts and I'm not paid to do that. It's just something I love to do. So teaching classes, really helping junior students come up is very rewarding for me. Samir, thank you very much for your time today. I just think the mindset is so important and you just in self-improvement and starting with your mind in any business endeavor. I love how you talked about or use the running analogy. You know, am I a runner? Am I going to go running? Or you know, It's awesome. So thank you for your time. Thank you for the value you provided to, to listeners and myself. Tell them how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Sure. You can always reach me through Facebook. I'm fairly active on that. And then you, if you want to know more about my coaching program and all those things, you can go to my website. That's just my name, samirsharma.com and drop me an email or friend me on Facebook and let's chat. Be happy to. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. 
subscribe too, so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.